This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal people. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Our sovereignty has never been ceded. Welcome to Reconciliation Roadmap, the podcast where we navigate the path to building better businesses through reconciliation. I'm your host, Holly Furling. And I'm Dixie Crawford, a proud Barkindji woman living on Ngunnawal country. I am your guide to developing and implementing reconciliation action plans. With years of experience as a RAP consultant, I'll bring you the insights and perspectives that really do matter. Think of us as your go-to RAP resource in your pocket, tackling all the questions that you've had. This isn't just a conversation. It's an actionable roadmap for your business towards positive change. Dixie, welcome back for another episode. Last time that we spoke, we discussed some of the reasons why an organisation might consider a wrap and what may get in their way. Let's chat through the how now, the actionable steps organisations and their staff can take. Where do you even begin with a wrap? What are some of the first steps that you'll take when you go to engage someone to develop a wrap? Great start and a critical place to actually begin this conversation, Holly, because a lot of organizations will put the cart before the horse, right? They really will focus on the deliverables without recognizing that we don't have the tools, the resources, or the capability within our business to be able to effectively implement an impactful and meaningful reconciliation action plan. So I am going to continuously bang on about this because I really do believe that a lot of organizations, unfortunately, are motivated by the external visibility of corporate and social responsibility or wanting to look like an ally versus really actually doing the critical reflection as an organization and the assessment around whether or not we are the type of organization, we are the people culture or the business culture that has the capability and the willingness and the desire to have really critical conversations about reconciliation. And so I think if you don't start with the why, you'll never progress effectively and you'll never have a document that's going to have an impact or that is going to reach its full potential. So where to start? I think it's critical that you as an organization discuss what role you play in reconciliation. And the way that you can do that is starting some conversations with questions along the lines of, what do we know about reconciliation? What is the relevance of a reconciliation action plan to our organization's core business, our workforce, or the stakeholders that we engage with? How do we engage our leadership team, our workforce, or again, our external stakeholders, internal and external stakeholders? How do we do this work? Also, a really important place to start and something that a lot of people tend to miss is what is the purpose? What's the purpose of the reconciliation action plan? What's the potential? What's the impact? How are we going to monitor progress? How are we going to assess and make changes that need to be made as we go along our journey? And I guess how do we make sure what we're doing is impactful, but is done proper ways, right? Like done in a way that has an impact, that is relevant to communities, that's relevant to our business, and it's not just tokenistic, right? So how do we do this properly versus how do we do this from a tokenistic perspective? I think when you are engaging in those conversations and you're asking those questions, don't be afraid or shame of the answer that you might get if it comes back as, no, we are not wrap ready. 
Facing the truth and being real about this is, from my perspective, robust and transparent leadership. Most organizations, again, will start a wrap. Not everyone will finish one. So if the answer is no, slow down, meet your organization, your leaders and your people culture where it's at and have a focus on building it over a three-month, a six-month or a 12-month period. What I will say is that if you're trying to build capacity and the curiosity or the appetite for a wrap over a 12-month period, I would just say that your organization, probably not ready, probably not going to fit within the business. It might just be time to let that one go through to the keeper. There we go with another cricket analogy, Holly. See? Nailing it. I literally knew nothing (laughs) about cricket except a position at mid-on, and now all of a sudden I'm dropping cricket analogies like I am some other cricketer. I know, Kerry O'Keefe, which, by the way, I love Kerry O'Keefe at the World Cup. If you have not seen Kerry O'Keefe, he is the innings entertainment that we don't deserve. I'm sorry. I have never seen anyone laugh at their own jokes as much as what that man does, and his just joy and happiness just makes me, oh, it's a vibe. I sit, sit up sometimes watching cricket until 2 o'clock just to listen to Kerry O'Keefe. Anyway, I get sidetracked. So, again, not every organisation will, you know, that wants to have a wrap should have a wrap. And so building the capacity and understanding who it is that you are, what it is that you're going to do. If you're not wrap ready and it takes 12 months or more for you to be wrap ready, just let it go, right, because it may not work in your organisation. And, again, this comes back to the earlier point that I had in the last episode is do we have the capacity for change? And do we have the capability to approach reconciliation? And if the answer is no, be okay with that and maybe just quit that organization and go work for another organization that is really passionate about reconciliation. And I think if the answer is yes, obviously register with Reconciliation Australia, do your research, seek out an external consultant or an advisor, particularly if you don't have access to or conversations and connections with First Nations people, either in your workforce or with community partnerships or corporate partnerships. You cannot do this work without Aboriginal people. And I think I've discussed this earlier in a couple of episodes that you can't have First Nations titled groups around core business within your organisation, whether it's health, housing, employment, education, whatever it might be. You cannot have First Nations working groups without First Nations people in it. The other final point that I think is really critical from a leadership point of view is to recognise that the implementation of your RAP, it is not on the shoulders of your black workforce, right? Your Aboriginal staff, your First Nations staff cannot carry the entire workload of the RAP from the conversations with leadership teams to cultural awareness training to making connections with communities. It is not only about us as Aboriginal people. It is about us and your organization. And it's about your leadership and what it is that you can do in order to enable change. So this has to be a two-way partnership and um, conversation and action that is collaboratively done. I think one of your answers there may surprise some people, not the Kerry O'Keefe comment, but (laughs) just more so around if your organization isn't wrap ready, then don't push it. I mean, businesses may be thinking as a wrap consultant, you'd be trying to push people into doing this work, but yeah, that, that comment may surprise a few people. I think it will too, you know, in, in all honesty. And, 
you know, you've got resistance in your business and you're fighting with people and, you know, the conversations that I'm talking about, you know, like the subtle racism, the unconscious bias that consistently turns up, like, you know, when your organization just isn't ready, man, just run into that and be like, look, we're not ready. We're going to muck this up. I don't want to be a part of it. We actually don't need to be a part of it. We are doing this rap because it is more about us as a business and wanting to look good rather than actually being true reconciliation partners and being a part of this framework by Reconciliation Australia. If you're not there, you're not there, right? Like I I want to think, oh, you know, I could be an elite athlete. And I'm like, girl, you're not there. You eat double-coated Tim Tams an entire pack in like three days. Like it's just not going to happen. And so stop trying to flog something that's just not going to work because it's emotionally draining. It's frustrating. You become very resentful. Just let it go if you don't think it's going to work because it's exhausting trying to prove the relevance of something. Either people value it or they won't value it. Either an organization is committed to it or they aren't committed to it. And it's important that you remember, just like in the current dating game, by the way, your girl is single, so if you've got a single brother, let me know. But (laughs) in, you know, no reply or no answer, that's the answer. No engagement, that is the culture, right? If people are not on board, that's how it's going to be with implementation. And so if you are bringing people along, kicking and screaming, and a business that is going to allocate $10,000 to the implementation, man, just let it go and just be like, this is not for us. I think alignment and impact, they're such core values for yourself, but I think it also relates right there, but also to businesses, whether it's in their day-to-day workflow or even across departments more broadly with company values, that sort of stuff. How can you maximise the impact of your wrap and ensure that it aligns with some of those organizational missions and goals? Another good question. Gosh, you prepared these questions really well, didn't you, Holly? Um, it's, <laughs> I'm a journalist. She does her thing. She knows her lane and she stays in it and she slays in that lane. Okay, so a couple of things that's really important here is that, again, the wrap needs to be relevant to your core business. So what is it that you do every single day? Man, what is your bread and butter? And does this relate to us and how it is that we turn up in the world? What it is that we want to achieve? If it doesn't relate to it, that's okay. That's cool. Like once again, I'm sorry, I'm too old. I'm too disappointed in the world to want to be negotiating and arguing with people and trying to get you to see humility and compassion and empathy in diversity and inclusion, right? If there's going to be a fight, I'm out, right? So you need to make sure that if the wrap is relevant to your core business and what it is that you do every day, you also need to make sure that the wrap is relevant and well, it's being designed and implemented in a way that's relevant to your workforce's needs and their aspirations, but also has an understanding about what the local community's needs are that you're connected to. And also think about how does the wrap align with what our other stakeholders that we might be engaging with, whether it be our community partners, other like-minded corporates, whether or not it's our clients, you know, is it a key item that, you know, if we're competing for tenders, is the tender document saying to us, we need to have a reconciliation action plan and how is it we're progressing with things along the lines of employment and education opportunities, procurement, cultural safety training. These are all things that are in your documents, by the way, if you are tendering for government contracts. But you need to think about, is it relevant to who we are? 
I would also seek out advice and perspectives from people in your organization because what you think may be very different to what they think. It's always really important that we understand that what we say versus what someone receives from a messaging point of view and a storytelling perspective could be very different, right? Our intention to what they receive and what the outcome of an interaction or a conversation or even a perception, it might be very, very different. So seek out advice and the perspectives from people within your organization and externally to that as well, right? I've done this exercise a few times with people in work and it's I've asked them to before we go in and we have a leadership session, I get them to ask five of the people that they see every single day or that they are closely connected to what those people believe their three core values are. So you as a person would write down what your core values are and then those five people around you would write down what they believe your core values are based upon what it is that they see and hear from you every single day. This is to remember that leadership is demonstrated, values are demonstrated. So if you don't seek out information and you don't know how your organization is being perceived or how it's performing or it's turning up, you might be well and truly off the mark. So it's important that we are consistently receiving feedback. The other point that the other three points that are really critical is that you engage with First Nation communities and partners, organizations to seek advice around implementation on the deliverables and the projects that you were designing and that you are delivering. You cannot decide about what is in the best interest of First Nations communities without us. There's an age-old saying, nothing about us without us. Again, nothing about us without us. So make sure that you consistently elevate our voice, but make sure you act on the advice that you are receiving from community. And finally, which is, I guess, the last point that we spoke about in our last episode, demonstrate proactive and not reactive leadership. Mm. I mean, you've just spoken a lot about people within your business and we know how staff are really critical to a business's success and organization's success and a lot of that can come down to education and communication. What strategies can you implement to create a more culturally aware workforce or maybe even leverage, say, an aware workforce into being really engaged? You're right. There are people in your workforce that are consistently seeking out information because it is a personal passion and a drive for them. It is their values. So they're wanting to know about the world that exists around them and the role that they play in the world, particularly when people are very socially aware and conscious about other people's lived experiences. So one of the ways that you do this is that you provide ongoing professional development opportunities for your workforces that are diverse, right? So there are people that will learn in the classroom, but there are also people that will learn on country. So make sure that you present different options for people to listen, to learn, and to find their own way of leadership. So think about things like creating book clubs, lunch and learns, having guest speakers a part of events, and not just about the events, you know, around NADOC week or Reconciliation Week. Consistently find ways and opportunities for First Nations perspective and engagements or insights to be shared with your organization. So International Women's Day, you want to talk about I don't know, science or medicine or building or whatever it might be. I don't know, like Kathy Freeman, right? Like talk about the role that sports plays in our communities. There are a lot of opportunities where you can engage people to come and speak to you. Land rights, caring for country, 
understanding, you know, song lines and particular aspects, you know, an acknowledgement of country workshop. There's a gentleman at the moment who um, Sam Allerton Johnson is running lunch and learn sessions on LinkedIn about how to do an acknowledgement of country. Check out his work. He's over at Impact Policy. So there's lots of ways that you can start to develop your people's, you can present new information to people, right? Share podcasts, create internal communication channels in, you know, your Slack or I don't know, Hugo, whatever your channels might be, MS Teams, create channels so people can consistently go in there. But you have to create opportunities for people to get involved. Ask them to join the RAP working group, consistently promote that. And I guess the final point around building cultural capability of your organization, bro, you have to buy and engage a cultural awareness training program and provider. Online training is great, it's scalable, it's accessible, and it's reasonably priced, but you cannot under any circumstances undervalue the impact and the potential of face-to-face training either in your rooms or, you know, in your offices or out on country. You have to create opportunities for people to experience things just as much as they listen, you know, to an online training program, but create different ways that people can learn. That's my advice. There is no one way to do this. There's lots of ways. And this also takes time and money. Hey there, just quickly interrupting the podcast. It's Dixie here. I just wanted to let you know that on the 5th of December of 2023, I am running a Rap Leaders Masterclass. Now, the Rap Leaders Masterclass is for any leader within an organization who is responsible for the development and the implementation of the Reconciliation Action Plan. Now, as an experienced RAP consultant, I can tell you that what you might be experiencing right now in terms of barriers, in terms of your mindset, in terms of the challenges that you have in immobilizing leadership within the business, you're not alone. These are things that people experience all the time in their organization. And this is why I have developed the RAP Leaders Masterclass. I want to help you define your purpose and your vision and also discuss with you how it is that you make your values visible within the business in order to have greater influence, be more effective, and to gain more engagement within your organization around the purpose, the potential, and the impact of the wrap. We're going to be looking at performance metrics. We're going to be looking at project management. We're going to be looking at effective communication, and we're going to be looking at how it is that you effectively implement the wrap with practical strategies and skills. So if you're interested in this masterclass, please let me know. It is online. There's details in the show notes, and I would love to see you there. But what I want to do is support you to be the most effective and impactful leader that you possibly can. So we're looking at leadership skills. We're looking at practical action. We're looking at building a network for you with other like-minded leaders within the RAP network. We're also looking at how it is that you create a framework for evaluating and measuring the success and the impact of your RAP implementation. So there's a lot there, but if you would like to be involved, please let me know. Information is in the show notes, and I would love to see you there. Let's get back to the podcast. I think you've given an, a lovely list of options or just different suggestions as to how to implement it or what might suit, as you said, different people or even just your organization in general. You did mention leadership a lot through this episode so far. I'm curious to know what role does leadership actually play within the success of a rap and how can you make sure that your leaders, whether they be above you or below you or management, go about effectively championing 
reconciliation? Yeah, it's an interesting question because it's a really critical point in organisations because if leadership is not on board with this, once again, your rap's going nowhere real quick. So buy-in within the business is critical. And one of the things is that if you're in a middle management position and you're wanting to influence up the chain, the way that I encourage you to do that is ask your leaders about how you can support them to be a reconciliation action plan leader within the business. What do you need from me? How do I help you do this? Because leaders have 338,000 things on their plate, right? Your job really as an influencer, particularly in that middle kind of space of working up and then also working down or across in all these different ways, is that you've got to be able to facilitate effective conversations about the rap. And sometimes there are people where you have to, you know, be the beast, you know, the honey and the vinegar kind of situation, recognize where you've got to adjust your communication to be more influential and impactful. And there's also times where you can either walk away from a conversation or you lean into one, right? So you've got to be really consciously aware of if I engage in this conversation, what are the potential outcomes here in terms of the work that we've got to do and how we go about it, but also what is the flow and effect of this conversation? So if there are people up the line that you, I I, I promise you, I have not ever met a leader, particularly a a non-First Nations leader who's been super duper confident right? Or who hasn't made massive mistakes and has had to fall on their sword a couple of times, right? And so asking how you help them engages them and builds trust between you as the reconciliation leader within the business and also your leadership team, right? So if you can become reliable, they know who you are, they like the way that you go about it, and they trust you enough to have those conversations. I cannot tell you how important is trust between your leadership team and as you as the RAP leader, if you are implementing it. So recognize how you facilitate effective conversations. Another role that leadership plays is to seek out alternative ideas and perspectives, Share the role of responsibility and leadership. Be vulnerable. Ask critical self-reflection questions in public. Definitely do the work, right, yourself, and share with people, this is what I'm going through. This is what I've thought about. This is what I've learned about myself. This is what I've learned about this work. This is where I can be better. This is what I'm committed to. This is what I'm no longer going to do. This is what I'm going to lean into. There's always an opportunity. If you are doing the critical self-reflection, be the leader that is a change agent. And sometimes a change agent is in the conversation where you can hit someone in the head and the heart and the gut. And so all of a sudden their feet start moving in a different direction. So create opportunities for you to be vulnerable and to share your story and your experiences. But also what I do want to say is look for any opportunity that there is at all for you to discuss the rap and the potential impact of the rap. Don't make the mistake of only talking about the rap during NAIDOC week or National Reconciliation Week or Closing the Gap Day or whenever it might be, right? Like don't make the rap so visible when It's visibly only about black people in that moment, right? So create ongoing opportunities for you to discuss and highlight the potential and the impact of the rap. Okay, Dixie, I'm going to throw a bit of a scenario at you. We've got a a culturally aware workforce. Your leaders above and beneath you are really engaged with your rap. How would you go about encourage participation outside of, say, some of those organised events that you'd given as examples before how would you go about, yeah, encouraging that participation and the ownership of the rap amongst each of the employees? I think just 
the consistency of opportunities and sharing information, right? So we've got the critical dates, you know, like the Aboriginal calendar that they call it, right? Rec week, NADOC week, sorry day, closing the gap, all of those things, Marbo day. There's a lot of things. There are a lot of critical and significant dates in the First Nations calendar. But there are also a lot of things that bring us together, right? Community picnic days, you know, like football carnivals, you know, LS7s, the Koori knockout, by the way, go Burke Warriors. But there are lots of ways that people can get involved, but people don't know where to get that information. So if we're talking about those internal communication channels, just share information, consistently share information. Hey, everyone, there's an event happening this weekend in community. Here's the details for it. Encourage anyone to go along, take your family with you, right? Create opportunities for people to learn and engage in cultural experiences and conversations, but also community events, because again, we know what we know and we know what we don't know. What I will say is being really critical for you as a leader and about leveraging your culturally curious and courageous organization and workforce around reconciliation and anti-racism is allow people to lead in a way that feels comfortable and they are confident with it. The worst thing that tends to happen is that, and we'll, you know, this is one of the things that's really important and I'm going to go there because non-Indigenous leaders are not really aware of this, but you fellas tend to hold on to the rap and you try to own it so much that you don't bring anyone else along with you, right? You don't enable your First Nation staff to progress and to listen to their opinion. You sometimes cut down your other colleagues who want to do work or you want to micromanage things because you say, this is not how it is that we do something. It's really important that you recognise you're not black. And so that's cool and that's okay. And, you know, that might hit a sore spot, but... You cannot talk about a First Nations perspective because you might have First Nations friends and family members, right? You cannot speak on our behalf. And this is a really critical point because sometimes this is when, when I spoke before, it's your reputation that's, you know, your reputation is what people say about you when you're in the room. And so I have seen a lot of leaders talk about how fantastic they are and how wonderful the things are that they do. And it's true. They do great things, right? There are great outcomes and there's consistent commitment to the work and you are enabling some change, but you could enable more change if you let go of the power and the control. And so it's really interesting, this power and control dynamic in reconciliation action plans and the implementations. And I just think it's something that it's something that I've become really consciously aware of in the last three or four years. And it's something that I need to start talking about more publicly and in more detail. But you really got to recognize as non-Indigenous leaders is that you don't know everything about our communities and you know that you don't know everything, right? But it's also important that you recognize that you have to build the capacity. And there are also non-Indigenous people in your business that know a lot about Black followers as well. So give those people the chance to lead. Give everyone the chance to lead because if you leave the business, and this is what tends to happen all the time, is that you've got maybe one or two really strong non-Indigenous leaders in a business that have relationships, that have got the experience, that might have the position title to do the work around the wrap. But if those people leave, right, if all of a sudden they win lotto and they said, sorry, I'm going to Bora Bora, we've got to buy a unicorn, live my best life and live on Cosmopolitans and strawberry daiquiris, there goes all the IP out the door for your organisation to effectively implement the wrap. So I think let other people lead, don't micromanage that, recognize that building capacity 
is through experiences and people will know how to do this work in the right way for them if they keep learning and they keep trying to do that. So I'm sorry to get on my high horse about that, but it's really interesting because I was a part of a RAP working group in an organization as an external. So this is one of the offers that I, um, one of my product offerings in my business is that I will be an external advisor that is a part of your RAP working group. And one day when I was in a meeting, the RAP leader had said to me, or actually she wasn't even a part of the RAP working group. She was the executive. And she had said to me, I was the only black person actually in the organization, right? So they're on reflect. I was the only black person in the business and I'm talking. Now, remember, I'm a subject matter experienced person. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I know what I'm talking about. I'm very confident about, you know, sharing my experiences. And I got told executive leader rang me a couple of days later after the meeting and said, I just need you to rein it back in those meetings. I need you to not tell the staff how to do this work. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you have no other black people in the business to give you advice on how it is that you do this. And you're wanting to shut down the voice. Now that's a classic example of micromanagement. It's also a classic example of not reading the room, but it was also a great example of muck around and find out with that person. But it's really important that we don't micromanage our non-Aboriginal staff who want to do this. And it's absolutely critical that you do not micromanage and shut down your black staff in this space. So elevate our voices and consistently present new opportunities for everyone to learn and lead and do their own self-exploration. Such great points there, Dixie. My last question for this episode, what are some of the examples that you have of organisations that have really set their staff up well and up for success really through the implementation of their RAP? And what can we learn from some of those businesses doing really good in this space? You know what, Holly, there's just five points here and I'm not going to overcomplicate it. I'm just going to drop these as they are, right? The first point is <laughs> that organisations that set themselves up for success are the ones that allocate the most appropriate and relevant resources to implementation. They're the ones that define who's going to do something and how they're going to do it, and they support them to do it. You also maintain consistency around your governance structure and you monitor your implementation and you are consistently critiquing your performance. And the final two points are, is that you as a leadership team, you support this. And finally, you demonstrate and you present a public commitment to your workforce and to the communities that you are connected to that this is something that you care about. This is something that you're going to consistently turn up for. So resources, leadership, consistency around governance and public commitment that we're in this and we're doing this together. It's not really that complicated to set yourself up and your organisation for success with this work. And if anyone else tells you otherwise, critique that. (laughs) Ask critical questions. Ask critical self-reflection questions. Hmm, Tell me more about that. Help me understand. (laughs) What do you mean when you say... Standard questions around curiosity. Amazing. Well, Dixie, I think we are both acknowledging how important people are to the success of businesses and organisations, but I hope this episode has told all the listeners how important each of the people in your businesses are to the success of your wraps if you choose to implement one. So thanks again for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Reconciliation Roadmap. If the insights shared today resonate with you in your business, remember, I'm here to guide you further. Connect with me on LinkedIn or feel free to reach out to my business with Gunyan so I can help you take your next steps towards a more inclusive and connected future.
You can find me at naganyu.com.au or head to the show notes.